Too many people seek out leadership in the kingdom as a position or a vocation, which it isn't. It's not a vocation. It's not a job you pick. You don't sit in your second year of college and say, well, where am I going to go with this? I think I'll be a Messianic rabbi. There must be a divine calling. And when there is a true divine calling upon a person's life, they will walk in it and start the work before being ordained. Too many are waiting to be handed a work. That's not a calling. If you're called to be a Messianic rabbi, then start the work. The rest will follow. There are those who aren't in leadership. They aren't leading congregations, but they are surely critical of those who are. This is easy to do without the conviction, the responsibility, the accountability, and the obligations of actually being a congregation leader or a Messianic rabbi, of actually doing the work. I have a favorite quote of mine that I want to share with you today from President Teddy Roosevelt. He said, it's not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out where the strong man stumbled or where a doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause. The man who at best knows the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, fails while daring greatly so that his place will never be with those cold, timid souls who never knew victory or defeat. How do I discover what my divine calling is? Listen, I'm always amazed and fascinated by this because what I do today, I, I don't attend many seminars or conferences. Uh, I know some people make a habit of doing that. Their whole life is spent going from one thing to the next, always learning, but never coming to the full knowledge of the truth. If I'm going to attend something, I want it honed towards my ability as a leader to improve those leadership skills. And this fascinates me because when I attend leadership conferences, invariably, one of the speakers will ask, who's unsure of their calling as a congregation leader? And, and I, I got I to gotta be transparent. Often upwards of half the attendees will raise their hands. And I'm thinking, what? Listen, there's a million other things I'd rather be doing. I wouldn't be doing this if I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be doing it or not. Adonai's divine calling is often different than your heart's desire. This divine calling is not about you. In fact, serving God and walking into an office of service to him, you will sacrifice much in your life to serve Adonai. I have many other personal interests and desires, things that I'd rather be doing. But I had my own road to Damascus experience with Adonai like Shaul did. And I know I have an obligation to be obedient. I fear God than other things. And I once heard a young youth pastor, this was on an interview, I was watching a, a Believer's Channel, and uh, and this person come out, this is a well-known person uh, who's uh, involved in children's ministries. And so the, the person interviewing him, uh, she said, well, uh, it must be a great blessing for you to fulfill uh, you know, your heart's desire and, and do this children's ministry. And he looked her right in the eye and he says, this isn't my heart's desire. It's my divine calling, and I fear the Lord enough to be obedient and to walk out in that calling and to not turn it down or walk away from it because God called me to do this. Your calling will be confirmed. Two national known prayer intercessors, I, I find this interesting. After I had my experience with God, we were praying and seeking God. We began fasting, and we began to gather 
intercessory uh, people around us. And really, you know, when I had God touch my life, he didn't say become a Messianic rabbi. What he told me was to go back to my people to share him to the Jewish people and to tell them I'm coming. So how does that play out? Does that mean a radio ministry? Does that mean an evangelism outreach ministry? This is what we were seeking God for. I heard his voice clearly. I understood that uh, he wants me to serve him. But how is that capacity be, to be walked out in my life? Now, this, this is how profound God is. Several months after I had this encounter, Barb and I are intensely seeking God, unlike any other time in our life. And two nationally known prayer intercessors, I'm not going to share their names because this is a private with us, but you'd know them if I said, drove all night long from the South, arrived at my house Saturday morning at seven o'clock, Shabbat morning. Can you imagine? And so we're still in bed and I hear a knock. I'm, whoa, who is that? I look at Barb. She looks at me. I, I have no idea. I get dressed. I run down to the steps. I open the door and I'm like, whoa, Barb. I say their names. They're here. And uh, we put the coffee on. We make some breakfast. We were only there 45 minutes. And one of them asked, uh, she's a well-known shofar blower. She says, uh, how far are we from Jamestown? Now, you, you've heard me share our connection here, this profound place. We are in the birthplace of America. And there was a prayer that was said twice a day at, at the gate, the eastern gate of Jamestown. Now, Jamestown is the first permanent settlement in America. And they prayed, and this is fascinating to me, because they're Anglican believers, with their, their supersessionists, their church replacement theology people. But they prayed in a prayer twice a day, and this was printed in 1619 called the Divine Morals Code and Law of the Colony of Virginia. They prayed, this is about a five-page prayer, but in the middle of this, they prayed that Jew and Gentile would be reconciled together as one, that the days of iniquity would come to an end and God's glory be revealed on all the earth. So the very foundations of our nation, it, it's in our DNA, it's in the ground, it's in the atmosphere, is the one new man of Ephesians chapter 2. Can you believe this? It's in the founding prayer. This was said for almost 90 years until the capital moved from Jamestown to Williamsburg, Virginia. And so this intercessor says, uh, hey, how far from Jamestown are you? <laughs> I, I look at her, I look at Barb. Now, mind you, this... In 1994, I'm sorry for all the history, but it was believed for 300 years that the original Jamestown settlement had been washed away by the James River. It didn't exist. In 1994, now get this, this is the year I moved to this area. In 1994, the fall, it was September, I think, the front page of our newspaper had an astounding story that archaeologists had actually found the original Jamestown fort. Today, when you come and visit, there's a plastic Jamestown that the school kids go to. It's a recreation, and they have an Indian village. But you can go to the actual Jamestown Island, and two-thirds of that fort, they have dug out. They know where everything was. They've discovered bodies. They've done DNA tests. It's absolutely fascinating. The same year I moved here is the same year they rediscovered the actual Jamestown settlement. And so I see my own experiences in parallel with this. So now here we are, uh, not quite five years later, God has intervened in my life supernaturally. I thought I was going to do 30 years in the Navy. I, I, was, I had my Cobb NEC. I was negotiating for boats to be a chief of the boat. Now, all of a sudden, God intervenes. He, he shakes my world upside down and says, you're now going to be a fisher for men. Uh, within two years of that experience, I had retired. But we, we are now seeking God. What should we do when these intercessors show up and we make breakfast? Says, Where's Jamestown? 
you know, uh, as the bird flies. It's only five or six miles from where I live. Matter of fact, that house I lived in at the time was part of John Rolfe's plantation. How about that? The guy who married Pocahontas. Our building where we meet is also on John Rolfe's original plantation from over 413 years ago. We ate breakfast. We got in our car. We drove down to Jamestown. And I know a little place on the river right next to Jamestown Island where you can pull off, get down on the water, and we began praying. And we prayed for about an hour. And as we're praying, it's a gorgeous fall day. It's a perfect temperature. There's not a cloud in the sky. And the intercessor with the shofar comes over and says, um, I've heard from the Lord. Barb and I looked at her and we held hands. She took the shofar and she drew a line in the sand. And she said, the Lord is calling you this day to serve him. Now, they have no idea about my testimony. I haven't shared what happened six months ago in my road to Damascus encounter. But this is what I mean by confirmation. She draws a line and she says, the Lord says, he's calling me out today. He wants me to dedicate the rest of my life to serve him, to be obedient to him. And I have to make this choice and Barb and I have to cross that line. And when we cross that line, there's no going back. He said, this is the Lord speaking. She said, the Lord said, he loves you either way. But today you have to decide what are you going to do? Now we're standing there and I can see the three ships the Susan Constance, the, the Discovery, the Godspeed in the background. And uh, and we're, we're at the very place where that One New Man Covenant prayer was established, the birthplace of America. And I got to tell you, it was one of the most solemn moments in my life. I looked at Barb. She looked at me. We actually backed up, and for about 15 minutes, we prayed, and we sought the voice of the Lord. We looked at each other in the eye, and we both said yes at the same time. That was the confirmation we both walked up, stood before the line. The intercessor turned around, and we said, Hanani, we do, and we stepped across that line. As soon as we stepped across that line, she let out one of the most momentous sounds of the shofar I've ever heard in my life. It sounded like I went on for 10 minutes. It sounded like thunder. And as soon as she was done, we looked straight up. No other clouds in the sky except one cloud directly over us, and it was in the shape of a ram's horn shofar. We'd had divine confirmation that God was calling us to do what we're doing right now. That was over 21 years ago. How do you find out what your calling is? You know what? Ask God what your calling is. Set aside time to pray, to fast for revelation of what your divine calling may be. Barb and I, for a period of 10 years, had this uh, unsettled spirit uh, if you will, we, we, we knew there was something more. We weren't satisfied. And we kept praying and say, God, what, what is it? What is this? What is this? In that 10-year time frame, we're going to church. There's no Messianic synagogues anywhere near me. And so our involvement with that church, listen, <clears throat> Barb was involved in dance. Barb was involved in uh, Sunday school, three and four years old. Then she uh, taught nine and 10-year-olds. She also spent time working in the nursery in this time, I went from an usher to a head usher. I did security. Uh, I got involved in a prayer team. And then I got involved in, for, uh, in it, as a facilitator for people overcoming addictions and issues in their life. This is, you know, so it felt like in 10 years, every 18 months, I'm going here, I'm going there. And, and I began to wonder, Lord, what, what in the world? Why are we bouncing around here? What is all this? And, and it come to the realization as that 
period ended and we had this calling out into ministry, that in that 10-year period, Lord was showing me every faucet of ministry. It felt like we were bouncing around, but there was purpose behind it. The reality was he was teaching us every aspect of running a congregation. We were involved in it all. And as soon as this happened, within a year, I come across the path of Sid Roth, who's been a spiritual father to me for quite some time. I got on the board of Messianic Vision, and it was a mentorship training period that's still going on today, 21 years later. Ask God what your divine calling is, and he will reveal it to you. Number two, discover your identity in Adonai. Your giftings of strength often reveal part of your calling. There's a Gentile calling to provoke Israel to jealousy. There's a Jewish calling to take the good news to the nations. Right off the bat, who you are tells you what side of the fence you're going to be working on. But your giftings and your strength often reveal parts of or directly to what your calling is. Number three, prayerfully ask mature believers, mature leaders who know you well, and ask to see if they see a calling upon your life. That's happened to me many times in the last 20 years, that as I'm around somebody, I begin to see what their giftings are, and I've actually gone to a few people who said, hey, you've got a calling in your life, and share what I believe the Lord has showed me regarding them. And you know, more importantly, get started. Do something. It's a call to action. Once you feel Adonai's leading to a specific purpose, a calling, or your destiny, you need to move in the Ruach and the Holy Spirit and carry out that purpose. Do something. And when a person begins to walk into their calling, their destiny, you can be reassured, not, not trying to scare you off, but you can be reassured there's going to be a spiritual warfare. The fire's going to come. If you're hoping for a life of ease and you're going to hold hands and, and, uh, and uh, play kumbaya, you're going to be sorely disappointed. When, when we were very naive. I, listen, uh, I wasn't saved at four, filled with the Holy Spirit at five. I spent a major portion of my life in the world. I'm a 22-year naval veteran of the U.S. submarine force, and uh, I've had behaviors and actions in my life that I'm not proud of. I wasn't always serving the king. But when you when you we were so naive when we started because I thought wow everyone just you know agrees in ministry and and anyone who's a leadership position in ministry is your friend we found out the hard way that is not true what's amazing to me what crops up in all this and this is probably a whole nother Kadima talk but it's jealousies and I've learned to not overtly share to other people what God is doing and what He's told me or where He's leading us. Because other people, leadership in the kingdom, this is true with business, this is true uh, in, in leadership in the kingdom, people become extremely jealous. The Sanhedrin, their constant dealings with Yeshua, what was their problem? They were jealous. He was moving in the power, healing the sick, raising the dead, things that they couldn't do. And rather than be motivated to follow and find out how he's doing, how he's doing it, they instead chose to let's stone him, let's kill him, let's crucify him. That same spirit is alive and well today. And so you've got to be prepared. You've got to be prayed up. You've got to have some intercessors inter in engaging in God with you. And, and, but you've got to get started. In choosing to live a life of purpose, you won't be spared from the hardship, but you'll learn to rise above it, to overcome it, and to be victorious. It will make you stronger and deeper. It's so much better to conquer your fear than to run away from the hard situation. But don't worry, it's not all bad. Yes, there are hard, difficult times. There's periods of Zerus, but there's also times of great jubilation and success. It's a time of the supernatural. There can be deep senses of satisfaction and fulfillment when you're doing what you know God created you to do. Pair this with a burning desire to move forward and to draw even deeper into God's uh, presence and his plan for you. 
you will begin to see people's lives radically transformed by the power of God. But don't let all this keep you from getting started. As you face the challenges, equip yourself with resources. That's why we're doing this with the Katima. My heart's desire is to raise up the next generation and to prepare you. Listen, I went to yeshiva. No one ever talks about the business side of ministry. No one, no one prepared me for picking the right uh, medical and dental plan. No one prepared me uh, for making payroll every two weeks and for the taxes and all the bureaucracy. This is a small business coupled with serving God in an office of leadership before him. I thank God for my father, a business owner, he had his own construction company, whom I worked with from the time I was nine till I joined the Navy, taught me the integrity, taught me the initiative, taught me how to work hard, taught me the business practices that are so critical in running a ministry and not going under. I heard a sobering statistic when we first got started. When we got involved with the MJAA, one of the rabbis in leadership said, uh, how long have you guys been a congregation? I said, well, almost three years now. He said, well, mazel tov, congratulations. And I'm like, for what? 75% of all startup congregations fail in the first 24 months. Nishbacha, why is that? a lack of preparation, a lack of seeking God, a lack of prayer. There, there's a lot of things in here that, that point to how it can fail. But if you equip yourself, if, if, you, if you gird yourself up in leadership training, if you see God with all your heart, if you're assured of your divine calling, then follow him and get started. Along the way, you'll need some help. You'll need some peers for the journey. I, I've, I've got a host of rabbis and pastors I talk to that uh, when I'm in trouble, they help me. When I got something I don't understand, they give great guidance and wisdom to me. Uh, I, I've got elders on my board, business owners uh, who've been there, done that. They're wise and seasoned believers. Uh, and, you know, you need to be disciplined. You need to also have initiative and determination. You have to have great intentionality. Let me say that again. You have to have great intentionality in serving God to your utmost ability with the spirit of excellence. Because if you follow him with all your heart and you're assured of that divine calling, he will provide and give you everything else you need. Mishpachai, I hope this has helped you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May you be assured of your divine calling and what he desires of you and for you in his kingdom. Shalom. Shalom.